We've all experienced those moments in our Christian walk when spiritually things are just working. They're firing on all cylinders, you know, and like we, we sense the closeness with God and it's just, it's, it's good. We know His presence. When we're reading the Word, there's actually something there for us, you know, and things are functioning well and things are feeling good. Uh, how many of us, if given the opportunity, would want to stay at a place of like we're winning spiritually all the time? Okay, awesome. Yeah, uh, you know, when, when in the first service I said anybody who didn't wait, raise their hand, um, whatever, you know, because of course we would. We'd, we'd love to stay there. The truth is that we, you know, the, the moments of when, we're, when we sense God's presence, when, we're, when we sense that things are working, it, it's a great moment. Jesus says that he came to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. I want to access abundant life. I want to be able to stay in a place where, where life's abundant, where it's good, where it's rich, and where spiritually we're engaging with God and we have purpose to our lives and things are working well. And uh, if you think about the New Testament, after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended back into heaven, if you think of one person in the New Testament who really wanted the abundant life, who really wanted to pursue God, who really wanted to invest into the kingdom, who would you think of? Paul, the Apostle Paul. And uh, there's no question. It's a guy who he sells out everything in order to get a hold of it. Listen to what Paul says about pursuing the Christian life. 1 Corinthians 9. Is that one that we have on the screen, this one? The 1 Corinthians 9 one? I'm going to put that on the screen. Why don't you stand up with me as we read this one? Now that you got all settled in. One of these days someone's going to smack me for doing that. And I'll just say we face persecution for doing the things we're supposed to do. Uh, anyway, 1 Corinthians 9. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I also read from 1 Timothy 4, 7 to 8. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You can have a seat. Anyone who competes in a race, they've got to go into training to get ready for the race. Paul says that if we want to live the spiritual life and if we want to have a winning spiritual life, if you want to compete to win in the spiritual life, if you want your life to work well, if you want to be able to interact with God, then we've got to train. We've got to invest into that life. We can't just say we're in. We've actually got to be in. You've got to work hard at it. It takes effort. That's why he says train yourself for godliness. There's two kinds of life. There's that eternal life, the spirit life, the life with God where we follow him. And then there's the other life where we live for our present stuff. You know, the personal satisfaction in the present. 
And we can say that we're believers and we can say that we trust God and that we want to live the kingdom life. But the truth is, is that we find out whether or not we're really living that life by whether we're sowing into that life, whether we're investing into that life, whether we're working in the spiritual life. Paul says it like this, again, in Galatians 6, 7 to 9. He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. If a man sows into the sinful nature, of the sinful nature, he'll reap destruction. But if he sows into the Spirit, then from the Spirit he will reap eternal life. See, the truth is, is that we can say and know things, but if our spiritual life is going to be a winning life, we actually have to do something. We actually have to discipline ourselves, to train, to work in it. Now, let me ask you a question. The life in the kingdom of God, is it a life of works or a life of grace? Grace, absolutely. It's all about grace, right? The, the scriptures tell us, for it is by grace that you have been saved. Right? For it is by grace that you have been saved. Our entrance into the kingdom of God is 100% entirely about God's doing, not our own. He hung on that cross and he rose from that grave. And if it wasn't for the power of God taking our sins down to the grave and then rising up with new life again, we don't have the ability to do anything. So not only is our entrance into the kingdom about grace, but our, our ability to remain in the kingdom and our ability to be effective at doing anything in the kingdom is all about grace, isn't it? If you take away the cross, if you take away the power of the resurrection, if you take away God's goodness in us, we, we got nothing. We can't do anything at all, right? What is grace? Unmerited favor. That's a, someone was reading the dictionary. That's like right out of the dictionary. Grace is unmerited favor. Sometimes we get grace and mercy mixed up. Mercy is going the other way. Mercy is that we deserve to get something and we don't get it, right? We deserve to, to take one in the chin and instead the person relents, you know, and doesn't smack us. They give us mercy. But grace is something different. It's when we get something that we don't deserve. It's when we get a gift at Christmas. That's someone giving us grace, you know, something we don't deserve. It's just a gift. Do we deserve anything? We deserve one thing. The wages of sin is that. We have a right. We have a right. We can hang on to it with everything inside of us. We deserve to die. You know? And that's our right as humans. In this land and in this world, in, in America, and particularly uh, close to the home of independence in Philadelphia, you know, we are very aware of the fact that we have independence, we have rights, we deserve these inalienable rights, you know, that are entitled to us. We don't have rights. We don't have any rights. We really don't. We have grace. Anything good that is in our life is grace. God has blessed us with it. He's given it to us. Every breath we take is the grace of God. Every smile we receive from another person is the grace of God. Every step that we take, it's the grace of God. God's grace, His goodness, it allows us to be in His presence. 
For it is by grace that you are saved through faith. So everything's about grace, and yet somehow in order to access the grace, you need to have faith. Uh, I want you to picture that you pulled out a, a home equity loan, maybe for some of you a student loan. Got a $30,000 loan here, and you haven't been able to pay it off. It's been backing up, and you can't get rid of it, and you really want to get rid of it. There's an older lady who's, uh, you know, kind of at the end of life, and she's struggling, and you've gotten to know her, and she's really wealthy, and she's trying to get her estate in order. And she says that she wants to pay off your $30,000 loan. She just wants to give it to you, take care of it for you. She says, this is what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to go to the bank, and I'm going to need you to fill out this paperwork. Here's the paperwork. Take this paperwork to the bank, fill it out, give it to the bank, and the money, I'll wire the money to you. I'll transfer the money to you. Grace is the gift that she's giving me, right? Paying off the loan. I don't have the ability to do it. I don't deserve it. She's giving it. And yet, in order for me to access that grace, in order for me to access that bank account, I have something that I have to do in good faith. What do I have to do? I have to fill out the paperwork. I hate paperwork, by the way. I don't know who, who likes paperwork. Some people do. But I do not. Most people are not a big fan of paperwork, but some people are. I, uh, paperwork is one of those things where I'm just like, oh, you're kidding me. And truth is, if someone's giving me $30,000, I'm going to do the paperwork. You know? I, it doesn't mean that I'm going to enjoy the paperwork. Honestly, even with that, I'm still not going to necessarily enjoy doing paperwork, but you're going to do it because the grace is there. And if the grace is there, if the bank account, if the gift is there, and, and it's going to pay off this loan for me, I want it. And in order to get it, all I have to do is I have to take them at their word, fill out this thing, and say, I'm in, give it to me. Now, if I get the money and I pay off my loan, am I going to be all proud that I paid off my loan? That I'm the one who paid off my loan? Of course not. There's nothing special about me because I filled out the paperwork. Whoop-de-doo, you fill out the paperwork. You can fill out paperwork your whole life and it won't pay off the $30,000 that are there. You can just keep filling out paperwork all day long, but it doesn't get you anything. Faith without grace gets us nothing. If we, if we try really hard to do things for God and to live the life we're supposed to and to live in the spiritual life, it doesn't do anything for us. What we need is the power of the resurrection and Jesus' blood shed on a cross. That's what we need. That's his grace to us. But the only way to access that grace is by faith. The only way to grab a hold of it is to fill out the paperwork, so to speak. You see, let me, let me break it down for us. God's grace, like we said, it's all over the place. It starts at the cross and, and the resurrection. But God's grace is all the goodness that's all around us. Let me give you two examples of how God's grace touches us. God's presence is with us. God's with us, right? We believe that God is with us. His presence is with us. You know how we know that his presence is with us? Tells us here. We believe it, of course. But then there's those moments when, like, we know he's with us. When we were going through that tough spot, and all of a sudden we opened up the scriptures, and it was like we knew that he was with us in that moment. Or we, that person came and gave us a hug at exactly the right time. Or we saw that thing go down and we just knew that the presence of God was there. We were at that worship service at the right time, at the right place, and we had a need to encounter God. Or we saw that glorious sunset, and it was like, whoa, man, God's good. That is God's presence with us. That's his grace to us, is his presence. Sometimes you can drive past the sunset. Unbelievable sunset. 
but you're on a mission and you got stuff going on and you never even notice the sunset, right? Someone might say, did you see the sunset tonight? Uh, no, wasn't really paying attention. I had a lot going on. Other times you're on vacation, you're hanging out, uh, you know, and just chilling and the sun's going down and it's beautiful and you got all the time in the world and you're just sitting there looking at this and you're like, man, God is so good. He's so good. Has the sunset changed? You know, not really. I mean, the sun sets every day. His goodness is there. There's lots of times it's a beautiful sunset. But in that moment, I noticed it. God's grace doesn't move. It doesn't change. His presence, it's always there. What's the difference between the moment when I sense God's presence and I know He's there and the moment when I don't know He's there, but He's still there? You see, when God's presence is with us and we know it's with us, it changes everything. In those moments when we feel spiritually alive and we feel awake and we feel like God is with us and He's for us, no matter what comes our way, we have a completely different perspective on it. So like the person at work treats me this way, but it's okay. Like I'm in, things are so good right now, you just can't rock my boat. You just can't take that from me. You can't steal my joy from me right now. You know, it's okay. I'm at a good spot and it's going to be okay. But then there's the other day when it's like the scriptures tell me that God's presence is with me. But man, right now, I'm telling you what, I am not feeling it. And these people at work are doing this stuff and it is aggravating me. And I'm really struggling. You know, and I'm struggling to maintain the right attitude. God's grace that transforms us and allows us to win in that moment, that allows us to win the spiritual moment, it hasn't changed. It's there. His presence is right there with us. And if we could sense it in that moment, if we could know it, and really experience it in that moment, we would deal with the situation entirely differently. And it's there. It's just a matter of whether or not we're going to access it. Same thing with his words, his revelation. He's spoken all this stuff to us. It's all here. And he's written himself all through creation so we can see it. He has all sorts of communication that he wants to give to us. And he wants us, no matter what is going on in our life, he wants us to be able to hear what he's saying and to be able to follow him. But sometimes we're trying so hard to hear from God and we just can't just really seem to hear it. And then there's these other moments where you just open up the scripture and you read that morning and you're like, how in the world did he know? How did he know that that's exactly the thing that I needed to hear today? How did he know? The truth is, is God's grace is always available to us. And the thing that switches is our faith. Faith is seeing the unseen, believing in the unseen. The essence of things hoped for, the presence of things unseen. It's about there's this world all around me that I know it's there, but when I sow into it and I act into it and I act in belief that it's there, my eyes change. If God does something impressive in my life, say, say God brings something, say there's something rough in my life. I have some sort of disease or something going on in my life, a health issue. Some people go, come out of a health issue and they say, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because in that, I learned to depend on God. And it was this great moment of connecting with God. And they counted his grace because God connected with them in the middle of it. Another person didn't sense the presence of God in the middle of it. And so it's like, that thing is nothing but a curse. You know? And, and the difference in between as to whether or not we're going to find God in the middle of our stuff is whether or not we're going to be living in faith and whether we're sowing into the eternal. We have to have eyes of faith in order to see what God's doing. His grace is there for us no matter what the issue is. But we've got to have eyes of faith in order to receive the grace. It is grace that saves us, 
but it is faith that accesses the grace. Right? So let's talk practically for a second about what are some of the things, some of the, some of the works of faith, the actions of faith. The actions of faith of stepping out and saying, I believe you, I trust you, I'm going to discipline myself in this realm. I'm going to discipline myself for the purpose of godliness. I'm going to train myself for godliness. I'm going to invest into the spiritual world. These are super bare bones, just basic. One of them, you're doing right now. You're coming to church. You know? You've got to go to church. Yeah, the, body, the, the scriptures tell us, don't forsake the gathering together of the believers. When I was a kid... We used to go on vacation um, at Long Beach Island. We still do. But we went to vacation two weeks uh, a, a year um, in August down at uh, Long Beach Island. And it was all year long I would look forward to these two weeks. It was my favorite time of the year. I just absolutely loved it. I was a beach bum, and I just loved to be around it. And uh, that's when, you know, we learned to ride the waves, my brother and I. And uh, when you're this big, you can ride waves that are only that big, you know, and so you don't need to go to Hawaii to ride waves. You can just ride them right there in Jersey. And we used to ride waves anytime there was anything out there, and we just loved it, and we looked forward to it all year. Well, this thing would happen where, um, oh, I remember one time in particular, actually. It had been a strong offshore storm, and so the waves were fairly decent size. And then the, mo- the wind turned around and came offshore from the west, and it just carved them out. They got all hollow, like, like you see in Hawaii. You know, They weren't big like that, but they were real hollow, and the spray was coming off the top, beautiful waves. And I remember getting up real early that morning and going out and looking, and I saw the waves, and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be so much fun. We ran and grabbed our boards and went running out, and uh, we were surfing that morning. And then uh, we were only out for an hour or two, and the waves just kept getting better and better. And then all of a sudden we got whistled in, not by the lifeguard, but by my, by my dad. He whistled us in. And he's like, all right, boys, time to go to church. And we were like, what? you got to be kidding me. Like, I do not need church right now. I am so close to God. You would not even believe it. You know, like, it is all good. Like, I don't need church. And he's like, you need church because it's not about what you need to receive. It's about what you need to give. We go to church because our attitude when we come to church is that God deserves our praise. He is the giver of all things good. He's the one giving you the waves right now, buddy. You know, go give Him thanks. Don't bail on the moment when you're supposed to go give Him thanks when He's sitting here blessing you. The more we fulfill what we're supposed to entrust Him in that moment. If it was up to me in that moment, I had no faith whatsoever. I was not trusting God. I was not thinking I was going to sow into the Spirit. I was sowing into the flesh, baby, because I was loving it. you know. And in that moment, I would not have had faith and trusted God and done what He told me to do. But the truth is, is we had a policy in our family. No matter where we are, no matter what's going on, if it's Sunday morning, we're at church. And I was like hating that rule at the moment. But you know what? Sunday morning, when we go to the shore now, we go to church. Because we believe because we believe that you sow into the Spirit. You sow into God what is God's, and you give to Him what is His. And so it's not just about, hey, this is what we want. It's about what's important in life. He is. If I want to grow spiritually, if I want to train myself for godliness, I've got to invest into that. Same thing, speaking of investing, financially. When the crunch comes, we've still got to give to God what's God's, don't we? we still got to do it. Even though we're feeling it and there's all the squeeze and the numbers don't add up and all that stuff, we still say, hey, this is what he told me to do. If I invest into him, I'm in good hands. 
I'm in good hands if I invest into him, if I stay obedient. My faith says this is what he called me to do. I'm going to trust him with this. I'm going to sow into the spirit because that reaps eternal dividends for God. Eternal dividends. And even though in the physical I might have to cinch it up and pinch it in order to, in order to go and, and give him what I need, this is faith. God has a bank account that he wants to bless us with. I'm not talking about he makes us wealthy because we're Christians or something like that. None of that stuff. But what I am saying is, is God has an unlimited, an unmeasurable amount of grace. And some of that grace is financial. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can do anything he wants and he will always take care of us. But if we want to live based on the heavenly bank account, then we better live believing in the heavenly bank account and therefore investing as if that's what we're really all about. And so no matter what, we invest. One of the biggest ways of working out our faith is rest. In this, in this area, I know so many people who they have, they, they have a couple jobs, they have all sorts of projects around home, they got the kids they got to do this for and that for, and it's a constant state of boom, 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 getting it done, just getting it done, you know, and in a mode of we're getting it done. And then all of a sudden, there's this thing in the scriptures about on the seventh day, you rest. You know, it used to be, of course, that Sunday, everything shut down. No stores open, no nothing. You didn't have any choice. You're, there was a society rest. But we don't have that luxury anymore. Okay, for better or for worse, that thing is gone. The principle of Sabbath in our life hasn't gone anywhere. God makes it very clear that it is imperative that we rest in his presence. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. And you will find rest for your souls. If we want peace and joy in our lives, we've got to take time to rest in God. That is an act of discipline. For some of us, don't like to leave projects half done. We want to still keep getting it done. We've got to learn to just, all right, it's time for me to go chill with God. You know, I can't tell you how many times where I've been stressed out of my mind because there's just too much piling up, you know, and I can't get to it all. And then all of a sudden, the whisper in my heart, the sense in my heart is I just got to go and be with God for a minute. And I resist that with every bone in my body. I'm like, I do not have time to hang out with God right now. I got to get stuff done. You know, and then if he finally gets a hold of me and he's like, Tim, come on, just hang out with me. And I get in the scriptures and I'm praying. Inevitably, what ends up happening is my whole mindset just it switches. And now all of a sudden I was stressed and all of a sudden I'm like, we got this. We got this. The priorities line up. I know what I'm supposed to do. I got joy for it. And all of a sudden I'm not stressed anymore. And it turns out the stress wasn't because of all the stuff I had to do. The stress was because it was time to trust God and I had stopped. And now I got to get myself recalibrated. I got recalibrated. We're all good. Let's get back at it. There's always unending amount of stuff to do. But there's a moment to rest. That's one of the disciplines. Giving, gratefulness, getting in the scriptures. It's another huge one. His grace in these scriptures for us is like this. I, I can't say it because it would be heresy, but I almost want to say like this is his grace right here. This is the fullness of his grace. It's not. There's so much to his grace and Jesus on the cross is his grace. But I mean, it's unbelievable how much grace there is in this book right here for us. We learn so much from this book, but the truth is, is we need to have 
actions of faith in order to receive the grace that's in this book. In other words, if I don't get up in the morning and read this thing, then I'm not going to know it. And all the grace that he has for me in here, I'm not going to be able to receive. Thy word have I hid my heart that I might not sin against thee. You see, what David understood is that this thing, he meditated on it day and night because he understood there is so much grace for me to have a winning spiritual life. God wants to bless me with a winning spiritual life, but I've got to get into this thing. I've got to hold on to it. And in order to hold on to it, it takes work. It takes faith. It takes discipline in order to get into the thing so that God can give me the bank account of grace that he has for me. At the end, when he gives me his word and I get juiced up, and I'm able to live that winning spiritual life, it's not because I read the Bible. It's because he died on a cross and he rose from the dead. But I had to read the Bible in order to experience it again, in order to receive it again. There's all sorts of things we need to do. We need to serve. As Josh said last week, we've got to be grateful. We've got to choose gratefulness. No matter what the situation is around us, we say, I'm not going to despair about this. I'm not going to get all upset. I'm going to choose to be grateful right now. It's an action of faith. I'm going to figure out where God is and I'm going to bless him for it. It's an action of faith that says, instead of choosing to see the negative, I'm going to choose to bless God for the grace in my life. Well, if I'm going to sow into the spirit and train in the spirit, it also means that I have to make sacrifices on the physical and the temporal. Because I can't, there's no way for me to, to live in both worlds. You can't serve two masters. Let me give you an example. Um, if I have a big game on Saturday, if I'm playing some sport and I have a big game Saturday morning, what do I do Friday? What I should do is, is I should take a little run on Friday. Not a big run that's going to wear me out, one that's going to keep me warm, keep me loose, that type of thing. And then I should... Eat some carbs the night before. Carb load. Eat nutritiously. Eat what I need to eat. Then I should go to bed early and I should get a good night's rest. When I wake up in the morning, good to go. Here's the other option. The other option is, is I can run around doing all sorts of stuff the day before and I can stay up late and I can hang out and do all sorts of fun things and eat all sorts of junk food and then I wake up the next morning and I'm like dragging myself to the game like this and I get there. If I expect to be able to do well, it's not going to work. No matter how much I've trained myself on the positive end to be ready for that game, there's also a sacrifice that it requires on the other end. Let me put it to us this way, to bring it home. Sunday morning, you want to receive a word from God through the message? You want to experience God in the worship time and give God what he's due? How that works on Sunday morning is dependent on what happened on Saturday night. I've had people come to me before and say, you know, man, I, I, I think like stuff was great, you know, at church, but I just couldn't access it today. I don't really know why. And the first question I ask them is, what'd you do last night? What'd you do last night? How late were you? What were you watching? What were you drinking? You know, it changes things. And sometimes this isn't about, it's not about morality. It's about using our heads and saying, if I want to live for this life, if I want to get up early and read my Bible in the morning, then I've got to go to bed at a decent hour at night or else I'm going to have a really hard time reading it in the morning. You know? 
If I want church to go well on Sunday morning, then I've got to figure out what I'm doing on Saturday night and how to best benefit that. We figure out what the priorities are in our life and we shape our lives around pursuing God instead of giving Him the leftovers or instead of trying to live two lives at the same time and go hardcore after being spirit but being hardcore after still receiving what we need in the flesh. It doesn't work. They're in competition. It doesn't work. And at the end, it'll wear us out and we'll just, you know, you can't do it. You can't do it. It takes discipline and training to have a winning Christian life. No one else can do this for us. There's not one person in this church who can live the life for us. Honestly, each person has to sow. It helps to have a community, but no matter how good the community is, no matter how good things are working at church, unless we sow into the Spirit, we will not reap from the Spirit. God will not be mocked. And so the truth is, is that I've got to discipline myself if I want it to work well. I've got to read my Bible. I've got to be at church every Sunday. I've got to give the way I'm supposed to give. I've got to be grateful and, and give thanksgiving. At the end of the day, it's not those things that give me a winning Christian life. It's Jesus' death and resurrection. It's the power of God. It's His grace. But the way we access it is through that stuff. On the other hand, if we don't do it, while no one else can do it for us, that's true. But if we don't do it, we will drag others with us. If someone shows up to the game on Saturday morning and they've been out partying hard all night and they're not ready to play, we've got to compensate for them on the team. Same thing. If you don't pull your weight... When it comes to sowing and reaping and you're not sowing into the Spirit and you're trying to hang out with the, the, the body and do what we need to do, then when we come in dragging, the attention draws a lot more attention. takes a lot more effort. And each person who's willing to sow into the Spirit, it makes it easier for the body of Christ to function the way it needs to function. Each person is responsible to sow into the Spirit and from the Spirit reap the abundant life. Paul says this. This is our last scripture. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. He says God's working in us. He's planted the seed of salvation. He's got all the grace for us. We've got to work it out into every aspect of our life. God gives us tools to work it out. We're not that working it out. You know, it, it, we know His grace is there. There's the things in our lives we do to access that grace, and He gives us tools to work out our salvation. The next seven weeks, we're going to be going through a series here that we're calling the Spiritual Toolbox, and it's about, it's about spiritual disciplines. It's about the things that God gives us, the ways to access His grace. There's three directions that God calls us to connect with Him. What are the three directions? Up is the first one. We connect directly with God spiritually. There's in, when He internally transforms us. When His scriptures come into us in the community, we work and God changes who we are. And then there's out, where we, where we follow Jesus. Come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. 
you know, and we go after what it is that he's calling us to. And we find God and we access God and we encounter his grace in all three of those areas. And we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines that line up according to the up, in, and out. And we're going to walk through that over the next seven weeks and talk about what are the ways that we can trust God? What are the ways that we can work at our spiritual life in order to access the fullness of God's presence? Now, here's the deal. When you start out at the gym and, and you want to get in shape, it can look very intimidating the first day you walk in the door. But you've got to take it one step at a time, and you've got to believe at the end of this thing, I can be healthy. We've got accountability partners. We've got a plan. We have tools. We have equipment. We have all the stuff we need. But we have to choose one thing, that we want this spiritual life, that we want life in the kingdom, And that whatever the sacrifice it requires in order to access God's grace, I am willing to make that sacrifice. And if it means that i got to lay off the sweets in order to get what I want in the gym, in the same way, if we have to lay off of some things physically that we enjoy in order to access the spiritual life, I'm going to do it and I'm going to make the sacrifice and we're going to do it together because I believe that the abundant life is the life in Jesus. So as we go through the next seven weeks, I'm encouraging you, show up to church. And listen, as one of the disciplines, the night before, every Saturday night, make a plan with the family. What are we going to do the night before? I don't mean we have to get all churchy on Saturday night. I do mean that we have to have our mindsets at a good spot. We have to have our spirits at a good spot. And we have to do something that's appropriate and good. And we have to get ourselves prepared for Sunday morning so that A, we can give God what he's due. And B, we can be at a spot spiritually where we can see the sunset and we can receive it. Okay, And then as we go through it the next seven weeks, we'll talk about all these tools that he gives us to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Let's pray. God, we thank you and praise you that you haven't left us alone in this spiritual journey. And that even though you've given us this grace, the grace is not something you just gave to us and now all of a sudden you're out and it's gone. We recognize that you've given us grace that's immeasurable and it's there, but you've also given us specific tools to access it. God, what we really ask on the front of this thing on the front of this journey about spiritual disciplines and about the tools that you give us to work out our salvation, God, we ask that you would help us to know how to have faith. God, we really do want that life. We want it to work well. But we understand the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Help us, God. Help us with our unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen.